Good morning, Cashers. Cashers Canine Connection. Welcome to the Cashers Canine Connection with Donna Ampava and Alyssa Short talking about dog behavior and dog training, answering some dog questions. Cashers Canine Connection, our mission here is to connect the Cashers community of dog lovers to help answer questions about dog behavior in general and just um, help everybody kind of come together and be a better canine community. We've talked about the four foundations previously on this podcast. The four foundations are a prerequisite to this obedience work. So if you have not listened to the sequence of podcasts on the four foundations, be sure to go back and listen to those. Today we are talking about recall. And recall is getting the dog to come when you call him or her. Popular one. You once said that this is the one of the number one things that training clients come to you for. But you also said that in most cases, you can't pick right up with teaching the dog recall and expect to get the results that the client wants. Why not? Why do you start at the foundations instead? Because we need to create relationship first. Leadership value between handler and dog. Without that, the dog can kind of take you as a joke or take it as a sometimey thing. Like, I'll listen to you when I want to. So we need to set the dog up and you up for the most success by um, making you as credible as possible to the dog so that you get the dog listening when you call. I've heard you say 100% recall. What is that? So that's just knowing that whenever you give the command to come or hear that the dog comes every single time. I don't really think 100% is like, I mean, that's what we strive for, but life happens. So they're like, I think 99% is a better statement almost to say 100%. Yeah, you can, you can strive for it, but there might be that that time. And and I'm not talking about like one time a week when the dog runs off. We're talking about like once in a lifetime type things or a couple of times over the course of the dog's lifetime once where something overrode. And then what you do is the, the next time you go out, you combat that, like you, you um, train against that flaw that the dog wasn't able to recall off of. What are some situations where we use recall? All the time, every day, I think you catch yourself, you know, come here, come here, boy, all the time. In the house, we do it when it's time to go somewhere. Maybe we do it when they're bothering somebody else or we're trying to call them off of another activity outside. We constantly do it when the dog is running off in another direction. Um, it can be in a sense of urgency when a dog is running towards danger or, um, and a lot of times I hear people do it in frustration over and over again. Come here, come, come, I said come. You know, and the dog's just totally <laughs> doesn't doesn't care. And that's when you get we get the phone calls. Like uh, people get frustrated because they had, they've had this dog for a year or six months or however long and they've asked it to recall or to come these so many times. Like I, every day I ask him all the time. I ask him, he knows what it means because he comes sometimes and, and people get so frustrated because they've been working on it for so long, but they actually haven't actually fairly taught the dog how to do it and held him accountable for not doing it. And that that's the, the part of the puzzle they're missing. So um, that's what we help 
teach and the the bigger part of the puzzle would be the uh the leadership value like why why should the dog listen to you what kind of relationship do you guys have are you worthy enough to listen to in the dog's eyes that'll be the first thing we'll ask we'll ask somebody like is he crate trained um you know what does it look like what does your daily lifestyle look like in the house do you walk him in heel and just those little things like that come back and tell us like oh well the dog doesn't really value you as a leader so let's build this up first before we move on to teaching the dog to come back to you so the type of training that you do is balanced training and balanced training works on accountability getting that percent as high as close to 100 percent recall as possible why would positive reinforcement like using a treat by itself not give the same results for recall yeah um if you always if the dog was food motivated and you always had a treat in hand it may work for you always if the dog's highly food motivated but if there's something that overrides the food a squirrel something that the dog just feels is more valuable than the food in that moment then you lost again. So the dog's going to go for the squirrel or go for that hot dog that someone dropped on the ground or whatever, you know, instead of listening to you or go to run off and play with another dog that he saw across the street. So food can fail you that way, even with a highly motivated food-driven dog. And then, of course, on the other spectrum, when a dog is not food motivated at all, you it'd be impossible to, to train them with food for recall. So that's why we rely on tools because tools work um, in the everyday world for the everyday um, you know, pet household. They help back you up. You need to hold the dog accountable. And without the tools, there's, there's no way to, to truly be able to hold them accountable in any situation. So let's talk about what those tools are. What's the step-by-step way that you teach a dog recall? Okay, step by step, when dog is totally green, hasn't learned anything yet, we start with food. We always like to mention that some dogs don't care about food. Um, so if they don't care about it, you're going to rely more on with on a leash uh, guidance at, at the beginning. But with food and a leash on the dog, we're going to lure him to us by luring I mean, like actually showing him the food, letting him get a whiff and then bringing it in and moving away so the dog comes towards you. Um, use a lot of body uh, body language um, to get the dog You can uh, to move towards you. You can make noises like, you know, whistling a little bit at the dog. Just anything to help the dog move towards you at first. And you do that, you know, over a short distance. Um, so this is a recall is actually the longest process of anything. There's a lot of steps, a lot to talk about um, just to go through it. So we did the leash guidance with luring about 10 to 15 times till the dog's coming to us consistently. Now we're going to call the dog with the word in like 300 to 500 times successfully, marking with good, giving a treat when he gets into us, asking him to sit when he gets there. It's like a whole big process. He gets more comfortable. Okay, now we're going to get him to sit when he gets there. And and that's early in the process too, because the, the dogs figure out fast that they get a reward when they get to you. And for these stubborn dogs, 
that don't care about the food or don't really care about the training or work either, we're going to be relying more on leash. With prong is best, leash pressure. So we're reeling them in, kind of like fishing them in with as little pressure as possible, but as much as we need to get them there. And then every time we get them there, we can offer the treat. If they're consistently just not taking it or caring about the treat, you can just say, good, give them a little pat on the head or something. This is actually one command that you can get excited about the dog coming to you because it's a moving command so you can you know really congratulate and like as soon as they start committing to you like good girl Sadie good girl to get them to keep moving especially those ones that are having a hard time getting there um so 300 to 500 times so at at that what we've done thus far you would have to basically have a leash on your dog he's fully trained to come to you on leash. So that's not, um, it'll it'll give you a little leverage in the real world. He'll take you a little more seriously, but take that leash off and probably your, your percentages are gonna drop quite a bit for him to really be able to come back because you have no way to hold him accountable if you say the word and he decides not to come. So they've got it totally down 300 to 500 repetitions. On leash on the leash now you have a dog who's been taught how to come to you on leash which is not like (laughs) the the goal is that you'll be able to do off-leash recall so steps to start the off-leash recall process to add to that he understands what that word means too but he also is savvy enough for when you drop the leash to know that he's doesn't have to do it anymore and that's where the remote comes into play to make the dog truly off-leash accountable so we go back all the way to baby step number one when we're introducing the remote collar to teach uh, recall so even though i just said the dog knows what come means we're going to go all the way back and take the word away because now he needs to understand what the remote pressure means So we're going to have him troubleshoot and figure out what we want in the first stage of teaching remote recall. It's called continuous stim. So we would remove the word again, going all the way back to baby step number one, like I said. Press continuous stim, dogs on a short leash, and you're moving him to you like we did with the prong in the first steps of the prong work. So we press continuous stim. It's at a working level, super low. He has no idea why he's feeling it, but then we reel him in and get him to come all the way to us and release the pressure as soon as there's like full commitment from the dog. So in the first couple of tries, you might not have any commitment. It might be all you reeling him in. So that would be all you also holding pressure the whole time because he's not truly committing. So then as you get through a few reps, a light bulb will start going off and just patterning because they realize, oh, we're we're doing come. I know this. We used to do this. And they start, you know, just kind of coming easier and more automatically. And then you're releasing the pressure from the remote as soon as they come to you. So you're not saying the word. All you're doing is pressure on the remote, holding it down continuous with the red button at a working level. And um, luring with food or using your body pressure, using leash pressure, everything to help this dog get to you successfully. And as soon as you get a true commitment, you release pressure. So, and when you say pressure, um, you mean the, the stem? The stem, yes. You release the remote pressure. And as you go on, the dog's going to get better and better at it. And you're going to 
take away more and more of the help that you were giving him, but still using that continuous pressure. We're going to try to rely totally on remote. And what we're teaching the dog in this stage is how to turn off the remote pressure. So he already went through the leash pressure. He understands it. He understands luring by now. You did that enough time with food. If he likes food, you did enough body language stuff in the first steps that he understands all that. So all this stuff is familiar to him. And the only new thing we're introducing is remote. Um, And as he understands remote more and more, we take away um, the luring and the body help and the... um, as much least pressure as we can. So this this is a short part of the remote training for the recall. The continuous stim only lasts for hopefully one session, but maybe two to three sessions of like 20 to 25 reps. Cause we're not gonna, we're teaching the dog to avoid the pressure. So we're not gonna keep holding him under pressure, rep after rep after rep after rep. It's until we get like, you'll see the light bulb go off and the dog's like, oh, I know, I got to turn it off. And they come quickly as soon as you say it and you can be releasing it quicker and quicker. And that that's when you get it like, oh, the dog's in a flow now. He knows like he felt pressure, he comes to me. So that's when it's time to move on to the non-compliant stim. Sometimes dogs only need like somewhere around 15 or 20 reps of continuous stim because they get it super quick. If they're slower, you might have to do a a couple of sessions of of 20 each, but they'll get it fairly quickly. And then we move on to non-compliant stim fairly quickly. Non-compliant stim is you're reintroducing the word. So he already knows what come means because you've worked on it so many times with the leash pressure. And now he knows how to turn off remote pressure from that continuous stim session you did. You say the word and give them a moment, just a moment to comply. You say come, give them a moment to comply, and now you offer stimulation for non-compliance. So the dog decided there was something else out there to sniff or whatever, and he you were irrelevant. So now you hit it at his working level and expect him to figure out that means to come to you. If he needs a little help, you're still guiding in this, definitely still guiding in this part of the training regimen, but you're trying to, again, rely less and less on guidance. If you're having to use a ton of stim or a ton of guidance, always go back because you may have moved too fast in the process. By the time you do it like 10, 15, or 20 times with a non-compliant stim where you call him, he doesn't come, and then you give him some stim, he commits to you. By the time you do it, uh, uh, you know, about 10 to 15 times, he should be coming to you pretty regularly without you having to do the stim. If not, go back. Go back to CS and make sure he truly understands what you're doing there. He understands that it's up to him to turn off the pressure. And something that I didn't mention at before we start the CS, get him set up for success before you start that before you start the CS level and and get him, put him on his short leash and say, come and pull him in, come and pull him in. No remote, no remote at all. The remote, remote can be on his neck, the collar can be on his neck, but you're just doing all leash, come and bring him in. Come. So that he's like, okay, we're in a pattern. So now you take the word away, pressure and bring him in, pressure and bring him in. So he's already kind of in that motion. You know, you can get a dog into a routine. So that that's helpful there too, before you start that CS. So he's like, oh, I got this. I'm, I'm just going to her. I feel this on my neck, but I remember what we're doing here. I'm just going there. I'm going there. I'm going there. And then they realize that they're actually turning it off once you release pressure 
sure once they commit to you that that's where it, it starts when you know you can move on to NCS when they you see them actually figuring out that they're turning that remote pressure off. When you're doing continuous stimulation, at what point does your hand come off the button? Is it when the dog turns around and starts walking towards you or is it when they start walking towards you and they make it all the way back to your side? Yeah, as soon as there's a real commitment. Yeah. They're actually coming, yeah, to you. You you release it. So you're at a very short distance right now, six foot leash, in your living room, quiet place, no distractions. And as soon as the dog commits to you, you release pressure because we're really trying to teach them that they're in control of this remote here. Even though it really is us controlling it, we're teaching the dog that he's in control. He can turn it off. So as soon as he starts committing, we release the pressure. And just like we did with our leash pressure work before all this, which is really important to do before all this, we get a longer leash in the living room still with no distractions, you know, get a little further away from the dog, even on CS, on the continuous thin level. We're going to do it on a little bit longer leash in the living room. Then we're going to take him to the backyard and do it out there just to make sure he understands like this doesn't, this isn't just for the living room. It's also going to work in the kitchen and the hallway and outside, but you're still on a, you know, a fairly short leash just and really helping the dog out in the continuous stem level. And then when it, when the dog's really consistent in coming to you, like we talked about in that leash level, when they're every time you call them and they're coming with little help, that's when you move on to the non-compliant stim. So non-compliant is the longest time you're spending most of your 300 to 500 or more reps in non-compliant because in the continuous stim level, we just did like um, maybe 20 for many dogs, maybe 50, 60 reps. Um, then we, we spend the rest of the time in non-compliant. Same thing. We start in our quiet room inside before adding more distractions distance outside environmentals so we're going to really um, work them through this just adding more and more stuff as you go um, throw some food on the floor call them off of food put their favorite toy on the floor you know call them off of that where you're like letting the dog go up and sniff it and calling them away as the dog's getting better and better at doing this you're gonna say come and then only press the button if he doesn't comply within a moment. Same thing, you release it as soon as you get a real commitment. This is a little different from the continuous stim in that you will adjust up a bit if the dog needs some help there. So we're still at working level. If the dog's working level is an eight, say, we're gonna say, come, give him a moment to comply, press the button, hold it down until we get compliance. If we don't get compliance right away, we're going to gently dial up. We're talking no more than like five-ish, five notches on the remote. So we're, we're still not correcting the dog. We're just getting the dog's attention. Like there was something out there that was taking his attention a little more, like the food or whatever. So we're going to help him out like, oh, we're still here. And then all of a sudden you see the dog, like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot we were doing this. And he comes to you. And then remember to dial back down to his working level for the next one. Because more than likely now you got his attention and it won't need to be that high for the next one but if you need to dial up again that's fine if you find yourself dialing up and having to do stim over and over and over and over and over again then go back to giving him a more a little more leash guidance a little you know whatever you can to help this dog because he's confused or there's too many distractions you you went too quickly by offering too many distractions so go back to 
minimal distractions. Get them really good there, like we talked about in the in the previous session. When the dog is not doing as well, go backwards in your training and do more help, more guidance until he's got that perfect there. And then add, again, more distraction, more distance and all that. And so when do you take off the leash and how does it work? Like that's kind of, that's kind of like you've graduated. Now you're going to try off leash stuff. Yeah. So we're not, we're not ready to remove the leash yet. Once you get about halfway through your reps, your rep count of the 300 to 500 minimum doing uh, non-compliant stimulation, dogs doing really well with different levels of distractions and everything. That's when you can start dropping the leash. Less guidance, less body help, less food, like just everything. Try to really understand about halfway through. Start making the dog understand that it's only the remote that we're we're using here. So we're gonna drop the leash, but still leave it on. So you would at this point, like put him on a short leash, a shorter leash, let him drag it and, um, off of the prong, put it on a flat buckle. Um, since we're not actually, because the dogs actually, they know that the prong is like more controlling. They can feel the weight on it, if that makes more sense. And they do behave uh, differently. Like you'll see when you first drop the leash, the dog will like, whoa, whoa. All of a sudden it doesn't know like what the word come means anymore. Like, and you worked on it how many times now? A thousand times. And just because the leash is out of your hand, like they can, they, they realize that they're super savvy and they're like, what, come what? And they're the, they're the other direction. So that's why we keep it on to make sure like we can grab it and guide them in, in those first couple of times, but we still want them to feel it. We're taking things away little by little. So first it was in our hand. Now it's dropped so that we can help them when they say, ooh, the leash is dropped. And then when we get them over that little hurdle and they're doing really well, we can start thinking about removing it, right? And and all this is done at little levels. Like we, we said, we started in the living room and did all that. Now we're going to start in the living room. And go. even though we moved to outside and we did all our distractions with the non-compliant stim, now we're going to come back to our living room because we dropped the leash. Like they have to be taught all the way over again from the start. And it won't be as many reps, but we need to make sure they understand like the leash is dropped, but let me have you in a small room so I have more control here. And then we'll go out to the back fenced in backyard with it dropped and make sure they understand it out there. And then we'll go outside with it dropped. Um, and then when you take the leash off totally, we're gonna go back to the living room first to make sure you're sharp, backyard sharp outside um sharp and that would be at the very end of uh your reps so it's, it's just all you always keep in the back of your mind adding distance adding distractions and then duration isn't a with a recall work but those are the the three d's that when you're trying to um proof command work you would make sure you're you're thinking of every kind of distance distraction and duration work you can come up with so by the time that you're like, okay, we're going to go on an off-leash hike in the middle of the woods behind our house, whatever, you're pretty confident because you've done this like a thousand to fifteen hundred times. <laughs> you've done yes. all these different types of repetitions. Yeah, and you've taught the dog in so many different situations. You, Yeah, you, you proofed it over and over again. 
the dog understands like when he feels this pressure, he's coming back every single time. That's when it's time to go out. It's like, what if you're in the non-compliant stage and they're complying every time and you're not getting your reps in because they're always complying, but you put the distractions that you know will cause non-compliance, you set it up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Good job. I hope you include that on the podcast because that that's exact right there because the dogs get so patterned and you've seen it like doing place work or whatever they're like oh i know this we're about to do place and they just start going without you asking and they'll do that with recall and it's harder because they stay like velcroed to you because they know like she's going to call me to her and you can't even get them away so you start like getting creative and setting them up to go away so that you can call them back because you want you want them to learn how to not get the stim. That's what we're teaching them, how to avoid feeling the stim in the non-compliant um, stage. Um, but you also want there to be some situations where you have to do it. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she, she called me. I forgot, you know. You don't always want it to be no stim. <laughs> when, when you're in that non-compliant stem stage and the you talked about how like the working level all of a sudden you're like maybe i need to dial up a little bit what mm-hmm. that looks like is the dog is like 100% ignoring you and 100% into what he's doing like he yeah. he's not looking at you he's not acting like he can he's not like responding to the working level whatsoever yes <laughs> he's so something. into what he's doing yeah yeah and that's where it's our job to work them through all that so still at a working level but it's just a little bit higher not a correctionary level and then you'll slowly dial up and then some you'll kind of hit this magic number where all of a sudden you like you break his focus on what he was sniffing and then he's like oh oh yeah you're calling me i know what that means and runs over to you yeah and that's the beauty of the the e-collar once you get to that level where they are off leash and um, you have no way to guide them back in. You have the e-collar to kind of get back into their realm, like, hey, I'm here, um, by having so many levels to where you can dial up and get their attention. Awesome. And, it, and I think it's good, you know, because so many people ask for recall because their dog never comes and they've worked on it so much, but now they can see, like, they can listen to this and be like, oh, it's really, like, it's a little intricate, you know? Yeah, it's That's huge. Cool. <laughs> Have a good rest of your morning. Thanks, <laughs> Good morning, Cashers. Cashers Canine Connections.